I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. I am Brian Rollo, and I'm really happy that you are here with me today. We're going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart today. We're going to be talking sales. You know, if you are in business, selling is obviously important. Whether you do it yourself, whether you have a sales team for your company, someone somewhere is selling your product or service to someone else. And that's why we all have to worry about sales. So whenever I can talk to an expert, I'm excited to do it. And that's certainly the case today. We'll be speaking to Mary Grothy. Mary is a former number one mid-market B2B SaaS sales rep who, after selling millions in revenue and breaking multiple records, formed her own company, SalesBQ. SalesBQ is a firm of fractional VPs of sales who serve companies across the nation with one goal, that is to profitably rebuild their sales departments to grow the revenue. And they do this by focusing on BQ, the behavioral quotient. Now, this is a new concept to me, something I have not spent a lot of time thinking about. So I am excited to talk to Mary, talk about selling, and talk about BQ, behavioral quotient. So let's get to it and speak to Mary Grothy. So welcome, Mary Grothy, to the Lead with Impact podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation because you are talking about something that is near and dear to my heart as far as learning more about it. And also, I think many of the people who listen to the podcast struggle with sales or would like to learn more about sales. So can you tell us sort of what you do to help people professionally? Yeah, our target, we, we love working directly with CEOs or VPs of sales that have underperforming teams. And in some instances, we work with CEOs that don't even have a sales department yet. And they're looking at building one out for the first time. Sometimes we get brought in after they've had a failed first sales hire three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. But ultimately, we want to find the CEO or VP of sales that has an underperforming team, and they may have tried working with consultants, trainers before, and they haven't been able to move the needle. Our model is super unique, and we attach on as a fractional VP for about six months and work alongside of them to help rebuild the infrastructure, evaluate the talent, help grow the team, and we get in the field and get dirty with them and actually work side by side and do more in the field coaching and training because that's where we see results. It's hard to learn in a classroom and then have people who just learned content translate that into their own world. So we want to bring it to them in the field and turn them into quota crushers. Perfect. So let me back it out a little bit. Big picture. You run a sales company that comes in and helps other businesses become better at sales. Is that a fair description? 
<laughs> you said it in a lot less words than I did. <laughs> so how did you get there? What was the journey like for you to get to this point and place and time where this is your business? When I was 22, I didn't have a college degree and I had been working a bunch of part-time jobs and I realized it was time to start doing something with my life. And thankfully, a staffing agency placed me with a Fortune 1000 payroll and HR company. I got to go on at 13 bucks an hour in a sales administrative role, supporting a mid-market sales team of eight and a sales manager who happened to be the number one sales manager in the country. I got to step on and help support the highest performing sales team in the company. And for me, it was two of the best years of my life figuring out how to build a high performing sales team. This guy was so smart and talented and well-respected directly underneath him. But of course I got excited about being in sales. You can't be that close to a high performing sales team and not actually want to be selling. And so he helped me on a path of development to know enough that I could go into a sales role. And after 30 days in a mid-market sales role, I was 24 years old, I became the number one rep. And my quota first year was 150,000. First year I sold 758,000. Caught the uh, caught the attention of some pretty influential people at our corporate office. They asked for some help. I got to do some training and coaching for other reps and managers across the country, and I really fell in love with that type of work. My second year, they cut my territory in half. They doubled my quota, and I ended up selling even more. I sold eight hundred and fifty thousand and finished number one that year as well. I really enjoyed that journey. Uh, not long after I went into my third year in sales, I actually left the company and took a VP of sales and marketing position with one of my clients. And I was 27. I was trying to figure out exactly how to carry that title and the work that needed to be done, but I was able to do it. We quadrupled the company's revenue in seven months. And at that point, I said, okay, I think I'm really into this type of work and I want to do this for a living. So I had an opportunity to exude all my entrepreneurial desires and start a consulting firm. In our first three years, we helped 36 business owners tackle new levels of profitability and growth. And unfortunately, I was working with really small companies and a lot of them wanted to pay me in equity or not pay me or negotiate me down. And as a young female entrepreneur, I didn't exactly know my worth. And so I significantly undercharged and I wasn't making enough money to hit some of the financial goals that I had set meeting my now husband. So I went back to that payroll and HR company for three more years. I crushed it. I sold millions and made a lot of money. We bought a house, had a baby. And then I went back out into the world of entrepreneurship in uh, 2017 and beta tested this new model underneath our current firm sales BQ, which is the behavioral quotient of behavioral intelligence. And we've been at it now for not quite two years. And we've uh, experienced significant growth the last year we've rebuilt over 50 sales departments we've got a team of 10 and we support clients coast to coast that is a crazy story and i love it i and i want to go back to the very beginning because there's so many things i'd like to ask you about mm-hmm. in that story and i mean crazy in the best way i hope you I hope you I hope you understand that what's unusual about about it to me is the fact that you started like being the HR rep for salespeople and then decided you wanted to jump over from HR to actually doing the sales. Am I understanding that correctly? It was actually a payroll and HR company and I was a sales support Ah, role. So sales coordinator, sales administrator. So I was supporting the sales team of eight and the sales manager. 
Gotcha. But you still weren't actually in sales. You were helping them. No. And, that, and then saw what they were doing and decided you wanted to do it for yourself. Yes, I did. And not only saw what they were doing, but I got to help my sales manager reconcile the commission report every month. And when I started to see some of the reps making in one month what I made in an entire year, I got uh, a little excited thinking that might be something I wanted to do. <laughs> now, were you scared of it at all? Because I know a lot of people, when it comes to sales, it just sends shivers down people's spines to think that they have to go out and sell. Did you have any of those uh, fears or trepidations about moving into that role? I was terrified, absolutely terrified. One of the first peer exercises my manager asked me to do was one of the most horrifying experiences of my life. And it definitely fueled into good motivation for me. But when I was a sales admin supporting that team, he knew I was on the path to earning a spot on the sales team, but I was still about nine to 12 months away from that. And the team that I was supporting, I was supporting some very seasoned, very talented mid-market SaaS sales reps. And they were looking at me as very inexperienced, no college degree, never sold anything. And they knew that my manager was putting me on this fast track to go in sales. And I dealt with a lot of adversity because they really questioned him. If you looked at the gap between my skill set and experience, and even my age, with the people that were on that team, they, they thought he was crazy. And so unfortunately, I didn't really have the buy-in and support from my mid-market sales team that I was supporting. So I, but I knew that, right? So we have a team training event, like a sales kickoff, and my manager creates a sales exercise. They split us into two teams and I knew out of the gate that this was my opportunity to show these people that I knew what I was talking about, but I was terrified. And when we got put into the two groups, immediately I started contributing. We were brainstorming and my ideas were all being discredited. They were looking at me thinking, there's no way she knows anything. And quite honestly, I was pretty sick and tired of dealing with that. So I knew at that moment, this is exactly what I need to do to prove myself to them. So it got to the point, we did the brainstorming, we were teed up and ready to do the exercise and I was absolutely horrified. I was sweating like crazy. I had shortness of breath. I could feel the nervousness completely consuming me. And I knew at that moment in time, this was it. I had to win over my peers. I had to show them that I was capable. I wanted their buy-in and their support so badly. I was tired of them not believing in me. And I knew I had in that moment in time, the opportunity to show them what my manager saw in me. And I just took a few very, very, very big deep breaths to slow my breathing. And I stood in front of everybody and I gave it everything that I had to execute. And I would love to see this on tape <laughs> to see how I actually did. But I was so proud of myself. And I felt like in that moment, people started to take me seriously. So that wasn't the last time. That was just a role play. And that was before I ever even got into sales. But that feeling, that's a familiar feeling to me even today. Even somebody that is in my role and in my shoes that is as of speaking engagements and keynotes with huge audiences and radio and podcasts, there's still that moment right before I go on or I go live. It still hits me even before I pick up the phone 
to do cold calling or telemarketing. I don't think that a lot of people can completely be rid of that nervousness and feeling. It's just, what do you do with it? But when I, that first day that I went into sales after I got that promotion, I had that exact same feeling. I was horrified. I was sweating. I remember (laughs) sitting at my desk, looking at the phone and thinking, I worked so hard to get to this point. I earned the promotion and I'm sitting here staring at the phone thinking, what do I even do with this thing? I was so scared. What if someone actually picks up on the other line? Like, what do I say to them? So that feeling came back. But over the years, I think through repetition and also whenever you have a successful outcome, the fear slowly drifts away. And if you get more successful outcomes over and over and over again, eventually you build up that confidence. It's not so scary anymore and you work through it. But I'm not going to lie. I still get those nervous moments for sure. I can imagine. I think we all do. So that's how you overcame your fear. But how did you get so good at it? Because it sounds like you were able to get to a really high level fairly quickly. Yeah, I I decided early on that it wasn't about me. The very first exercise is actually a continuation of the story that I just shared with you. I first stared at that phone my first day back from two weeks of trading. After two years, I'm, I'm promoted. I sit there, I stare at the phone. I don't know what to do. I went in and I talked to my manager and said, what do I do? He said, I want you to call 10 of our existing clients and I want you to ask them these three questions. Number one. Why did you choose our product and service? Number two, why do you remain a client even when the competition is knocking on the door? And number three, what is the biggest gain? What's your ROI statement? How have we helped you? Why has it been a good experience? And I didn't even have to make it through all 10 calls. After just a handful of them, I was hearing some of the most amazing stories from these clients about how awful their lives were before working with us. And then hearing the words coming out of their mouth on all the different ways that we made their lives better and the problems that we solved, I realized I just have to change my own mindset. Sales isn't scary. It's scary if you're pushing a product on someone. It's scary if you don't have confidence or believe in what you're selling and doing. But when you believe in it at the core of who you are, And that passion, conviction, and enthusiasm can come out in that conversation. And you're truly identifying the pains and problems that your prospect has and how you solve them. That should actually be a pretty remarkable conversation that you get to have. And the salespeople who win are the ones that differentiate themselves from a traditional stereotype salesperson who has an agenda, who's overly aggressive. They're too salesy. They don't listen. They don't ask enough questions. They're too scripted. All those things that you hear. It's a salesperson that shows up and acts like a human being and has a real conversation and is curious and solves their problems. That's who people want to do business with. And I felt like bringing that in immediately in the first week of my sales career and so to this point, not letting it go. I have walked away from so much business because it just wasn't the right fit. And I feel like those are the people that have stayed within my tribe because I did right by them and they've actually referred me <laughs> to all other right. opportunities. It's all, it's all about being a human being and being kind and having legitimate good conversations. If you can approach the sale from that perspective, 
then it shouldn't be as scary and you shouldn't be in a position where you're nervous or feeling like, oh gosh, what if they answer the phone? Well, you should be excited for them to answer because you've done a pre-call plan and you know something is going on in their world, maybe a trigger event or something you've looked up online and you know that your product or service solves a pain or problem that they have and that should be a conversation they want to engage in. Yeah, that's great. I was going to ask you next, how do you define your sales approach? But it sounds like you touched on it a little bit there. Is there more you'd like to add to answer that question? I, I feel call, like calling the aha here. This is something that we teach the reps that we get to coach and train is when you're doing traditional outbound prospecting, you're interrupting the prospect. They're currently just walking walking down the street right now, we call this a sidewalk visual. They're walking down the street on their sidewalk. They're they're just in their own world. You're on the other side of the street on your sidewalk. At the end of your sidewalk is a phenomenal sales outcome and a lot of money, and you want to get them to your sidewalk. Unfortunately, they don't know who you are. You're a stranger. It's stranger danger. <laughs> you're interrupting them, and you're rude. Typically, a salesperson is perceived as rude because you're interrupting. And if you're not bringing something of value out of the gate, you're immediately cut off. So if you think of a visual, I'm on my sidewalk, the prospects on their sidewalk. If I just start yelling from across the street and throwing things at them to get their attention, they're not going to be want to want to be a part of that conversation. But if I look them up ahead of time, if I learn a little bit about them, if I understand something that's going on in their day in the life, I can walk over to that sidewalk and very casually bring up a point of commonality that resonates with them. And it softens the introduction. And if I can follow that up immediately with something of value that calls out a pain or problem they're most likely experiencing, all of a sudden we're on the same sidewalk. Then we can start walking and talking together and I can gradually walk them to the other side of the street where my sales outcome is. But you have to join them immediately in the very first talk track and the very first part of the conversation. And once you're able to do that, then throughout the entire sales process, you're walking hand in hand. You don't have a giant street between the middle of you with cars going by. Like it makes me think of Frogger if you're sure. old enough to know that game. <laughs> sure and, and throwing, uh, you know, trying to get across that street with that busy with that busy car. So for me, we bring in that visual into our sales conversations. What did you do to get on their sidewalk? Or do you guys still have a busy street in between the two of you? Because it does not sound like you're aligned. And when you really get into dissecting the sale, we always say deals are won or lost in discovery. And once you get the agreement that, hey, yeah, we might be experiencing that problem. Okay, well, we might have a solution that could help you. You enter into that next stage in the sales cycle and deals are won or lost in discovery. And when you get into discovery, you've got to be crystal clear on identifying how much the problem's costing them, what they've done in the past to try to address or fix it, need to identify by what the cost is going to be to them if they don't do anything, being able to know clearly where the money is going out the window to be able to quantify it so that you can put your investment in front of them. But you've got to uncover, is this something that they're willing to fix? Because sometimes we lose deals to indecision. We also need to know all the decision makers and influencers. Who else is a part of this process? Who else is going to have a say in how this turns out? out. And then you want to find out how they go about executing decisions and making sure there isn't a board or a silent partner or other people within that in de determining that timeline. So a great salesperson has a very nice thorough walk 
down the sidewalk hand in hand with them. So many salespeople will skip steps. Sometimes it's just out of fear. They are not bold enough or assertive enough or confident enough to ask those big, tough questions. And they're losing deals because of it. But really, our approach to the sale is all about having that human one-on-one connection and truly getting to the root cause of their issues, how much it's costing them, building that case, that motivation for them to make a buying decision and figuring out how they make buying decisions and ensuring that it's with you. And you also talked about BQ. You said the BQ stands for behavioral quotient. What does that mean exactly? Behavioral quotient is behavioral intelligence. And the way that we measure that with a salesperson is as follows. I spent years on a high-performing sales team, and we all had excellent combinations of both intellectual intelligence, meaning we knew our product inside and out. We knew the marketplace, the industry, the competition. We knew all of that inside and out. So good that we can even demo our own demos, even when we had access to a sales engineer. But we also had the emotional factor. We had great emotional self-awareness. We were able to sit in a room with eight to 10 different decision makers and influencers. We observed their body language, their tonality. We were able to pivot when we needed to. We were able to change what we were saying, push, pull, making sure that we were all in tune and progressing to really great sales outcomes. But at the end of the day, neither of those two things mattered because it was all about the BQ. If you don't have the BQ, which is your get up and go, it's your consistent decision to do whatever it takes ethically to succeed in a sales role. Sales is a hard commitment to wake up early, to organize your day, to get everything in place, to prioritize, to stay ahead of your time management, to execute all the prospecting activities, as well as manage all of your follow-ups and follow-throughs, getting back to people when you say you're going to get back to them, keeping your CRM up to date, communicating with your leadership, and executing on every single call, showing up early, being prepared, debriefing afterward, executing all the behaviors required to be a top sales performer. So BQ is something that we've brought into the sales world. We are starting to call it out with sales departments across the country because there's so much training out there for salespeople to be more effective in the sales conversation. But we saw a huge need in the market to be focusing on the actual execution of behaviors in order to be a top performer. And that's what BQ is. So... Just so I have a clear picture here, is it sort of like emotional intelligence? Is that what we're talking about? Nope. Emotional intelligence is its own separate world. So it's the, it's we have intellectual intelligence, which is IQ, emotional intelligence, which is EQ, and behavioral intelligence, which is BQ. Ah, all right. Now so I So you've get got it. the – yes. So basically, is this something you measure? Is this something you use data? Do you label it? How do you determine someone's BQ? So we're currently in process of developing that. So we've got a proprietary tool that's in the works that will be measuring multiple components of what's driving a salesperson's behavior and how to measure that. But simply put, if you think about when you measure anything that has to do with output or execution, think about wearing a fitness monitoring tool on your wrist. You're able to measure the number of steps you take, how many flights of stairs, your total duration, you can measure your heart rate. Some of those apps even allow you to track all of your food intake for the day, right? And your calories and project what you're burning and put in your weight. 
and see if you're losing weight or adding muscle tone. So think about that type of execution that you're measuring. We're building something similar for the sales world so that you can measure your get up and go every single day. The time that you're starting your day, the way that you're prioritizing your tasks, the level at which you're executing, setting daily goals for yourself. For example, this morning we had a rep that we coach that set his plan on Friday and he already reported back just two hours into the morning so far that he was able to send off 60 emails, profile 20 new accounts. He's got the agenda set for his day. So we're measuring the behaviors. We also, he's checking the box that he's doing his pre-call plans before his meetings, going in prepared, and then he'll have his follow-ups at the end of the day. So ultimately, it's a behavior execution measurement of success, but it looks at the leading indicators in a sales role, not the lagging indicators because you can't close deals that you didn't have in your pipeline. So we're more focused on BQ being about the behaviors executed every single day in order to have the great sales outcome. So it's all about taking action then. Oh yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) That's perfect. I love that. And really separating what really matters from what doesn't matter. It sounds like, or at least doesn't matter as much. It is. It's staying focused. My sales manager used to say, focus on what you can control. And I know that that's a a saying that's been around a really long time. I've heard it in multiple companies that we've had an opportunity to work with and those I've worked with myself. But taking that to the next level is what gets you bogged down. So there are things that will hinder a rep's BQ and throw them off track. There are things that are going to help them. But ultimately, focus is a big component of that. We even break it down into a cycle that how you think determines how you feel, which dictates your actions, which dictates or results in your performance. And that performance, good or bad, then feeds back into how you think right right at the top of the cycle. So how you think determines how you feel, determines your actions, and then determines your performance. And that's ultimately the focus of BQ. We start at the very core of that mental mindset and preparedness and how we're going after our day. We train reps on separating facts from stories. Every time a piece of information enters our mind, we all have a different filter. And sometimes we can let that fact enter our mind and we can get upset. And it can really derail us or throw it throw us off, or it can get us overly excited that our optimism is too high and we don't have the right discernment or skepticism within a sales opportunity. So we really work with reps at the core because of how you think determines how you feel. And then based on those feelings, that's what you're bringing forth to your day. So if you're frustrated, you're stressed out, you're not hitting your number. And so you're panicked. Or maybe you're riding high because you just closed a really big deal and you take your foot off the gas and now all of a sudden next month's numbers are too low. But how you think determines how you feel, which then dictates your actions. And of course, the result of actions is your performance. So so it all starts with mindset. (laughs) Of course it does. It's fantastic. How can people find you online? The best way to connect with me is to find me on LinkedIn, Mary Grothy. You can also find me on Twitter, Mary L. Grothy is my handle. And I have all of my speaker bio and information for kickoffs and training events and keynotes at marygrothy.com. 
but everything that we do underneath SalesBQ roof is at salesbq.com. Perfect. And if you could put a one-sentence message on a billboard that the rest of the world would see, what would that message be? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, one sentence. <laughs> I know. If I, had to, if I had to sum up my new mission in life in the work that we do with rebuilding sales departments, I would put it on a billboard that behavior drives results. Perfect. Behavior drives results. That's one to remember. <laughs> behavior drives results. I love it. So speaking of results, what does the future hold for Mary? Oh, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> I, I don't like to have a predetermined outcome because then I feel like I'm actually living pretty small. I used to set really concrete, clear goals, but what I was noticing is I was accomplishing them and I was just playing too small. So rather than going and having my pendulum swing the other direction and creating a goal that's just unreachable and I'm going nuts, I decided to set meaningful milestone goals, but to keep a really open mind on what my future might hold. And I found out ever since living life that way, it's been a lot more enjoyable and things have <laughs> come across uh, my path and it happened in my life that I'm beyond grateful for. So for me, it's just continuing to serve people and do right by them, grow their revenue, train up great people internally here at SalesBQ and also externally with the people that we get to work with. And we'll see what the future holds for me. That's fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being with us. I've enjoyed this conversation and uh, it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lead with Impact. If so, if you could find us on your favorite podcast platform and like, subscribe, rate, review, download, any of those things would be greatly appreciated. In the meantime, thank you for being with me. Go out, have a great day, lead with impact, and I will talk to you soon.